0: Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Happy New Year, Magic fans! The Magic are 16 and 26, and only three games out of the play-in. We've had a good start to this West Road trip. Two and one. Two more games to go here on uh, on the West Coast. Here and Paolo Benkero and Franz Wagner are a phenomenal duo already, and the basketball world is noticing. We give out resolutions to the Magic roster. Let's go. All the way. the 7-6 guy.
1: Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! and 1'2". Here's Turgaloo for the win. Oh, That's the winner for the Magic. He knows Turgaloo. All the way. for right by two 7 for the yeah, They're lobbing up high. like that oh
0: my goodness all right uh we are past the halfway point in the season uh we're recording this on thursday january 12th uh late afternoon and the magic are three games out of the play-in they're 16 and 26 so they still have the fifth worst record in the nba but we're three games out of the play-in so i'll take that um we're there's really, with the league, there's only four definitive teams that are tanking at the moment. It's Houston, Detroit, the Hornets, and the Spurs. Um, the NBA trade deadline is February 9th. That's coming up sooner than you think. It's a little less than a month. All-Star weekend is going to be in Salt Lake City. Then a week after that, it's like February 15th, to Sunday, the 17th, basically. Uh, we're definitely going to be sending Magic players to that weekend don't quite know in what capacity yet, but, uh, yeah, that thankfully doesn't look like we're going to have a dunk contest candidate. Um, and then, cool. although I would say if we were to do that, I, I, it would have been actually fun to have either RJ Hampton try it or Paolo. Cause if Paolo's going to do it ever, this would be it, but I don't know if he's really a, a dunk contest guy. So, but that would be interesting. Um, but I mean, look, bro, Franz Wagner and, uh, Paolo Bencura are going to be in the, uh, it's not the rookie sophomore game anymore, but I guess, was it rising stars rising game? Star, so, yeah. um, so that's going to be a definitive one. Um After that, who knows, but you know, we we got all-star voting going on and the second round of all-star votes came in. Paolo Manquero is still eighth in the uh, all-star voting for Eastern conference forwards. He's trailing still only by like a couple, te- you know, like, I think 20, 30,000 votes behind uh Cal Kuzma, who's in seventh place. Jimmy Butler grew, grew his lead. That was the one guy I, I thought Paolo could catch. I mean, he still physically, you know, potentially could catch uh Jimmy Butler in the voting, but it's nice to have a magic player in there. I would have hoped Franz Wagner would have snuck into the top 10, but you know, looks like Knicks fans have woken up. So we'll see on that. But um, you got plenty of time to vote, you know. Like I said, today's Thursday the 12th tomorrow friday january 13th as well as monday january 16th and then lastly friday january 20th all those three days are three for one voting day so your votes count triple that day so you know if you if you've been voting like I've been voting um make sure you at least at minimum for those three days vote you know the 13th 16th and 20th cuz then voting ends on january 21st and then you know i don't know if it's you know later on in the week where it they then announce who the actual starters are but uh yeah it's uh it's been a quick month of voting almost there so just keep doing your part magic fans and, and you know 20 was it 50 actually it's 50% of the fan vote is what counts uh towards the all-star selections and then it's 25% the uh media and then it's 25% the players themselves so and then Reserves get picked by the coaching staff. So that would be interesting to see because, um, Paolo and Franz, I would say, are more respected by coaches than the media and other fans. So that would be, uh, that'd, be, that'd get a little intriguing. But, um, you know, last time we recorded, we were outside Hourglass Brewing for, uh, after the, we had a disappointing loss to the Lakers. So, you know, a lot's happened since then. I don't want to go too deeply into the Moritz Wagner Detroit. Pistons incident, but we do have to, I guess, talk about it. But I mean, b- since that Laker game, and I mean, even before that, like our defensive effort has either has just been very sporadic and inconsistent. And it's, uh yeah, I mean, we played no defense again in that Detroit game. You know, the Pistons hit a million threes, but when it came to the actual scuffle, I guess we'll call it, you know, more screwed up, like. He definitely like he definitely like square like got his body like stiffened up and sent Killian into the boards like he he definitely you know I don't think he was trying to hurt him or send him into the bench and the boards or whatnot but you know he he definitely wasn't playing the ball like he should have and I don't blame Killian for being angry in that situation but you have Diallo who shoves fr- um uh, uh, Moritz from behind which that wasn't ideal but then. Hayes comes up with that forearm from behind as a form of retaliation. And look, I know you're mad when you, you know, he got sent to the boards, you got embarrassed. You got you know, you don't want to have like another groin injury that was plaguing killing. And I think his rookie year that really has hurt his progression even to this day as an NBA player, but like you can't hit a dude from the back of the head. And I don't know, Penny, what, what was your viewpoint of the scuffle? I got a few more points
1: or a few more things to bring up, but, um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, just the, there's a difference between being a pest, uh, being an irritant, and then just doing some stupid shit, which uh, in that instance, uh, you know, Wagner did some stupid shit. So I, no one deserves, uh, obviously, to get, you know, punched in the back of the skull after that, but uh, you can see how the rage was warranted. Um, and then just you know the the biggest thing is uh, the levying of of varying degrees of suspension which didn't seem to uh, be equitable or necessarily fit the crime for everybody involved yeah we
0: can talk about that here in a second i guess but you know i'm 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 unhappy that the magic coaches let so many of our players come off the bench like franz and a few others literally just casually strolled over like they they didn't even really partake much like franz you would think would have ran over to check on his brother but he i think he knew mo mo uh, mo was kind of faking a little bit there he he definitely i don't i think the hit kind of was more of like a shock to moritz than actually hurt him in the back of the head and then he just kind of played dead on, on that bench and at least at least the Pistons players didn't try to get any cheap shots on him. Cause then that would have gotten really bad really quickly. But Detroit just kind of the, the, the bench players for Detroit just kind of shielded him a little bit there. And that was it after that. But I mean, yeah, there's just, I I'm disappointing the coaches cause usually a coach for there on any coaching staff, there's at least one or two guys designated to keep players on the bench in that situation. And that just completely went out the window. Um, it's an automatic one game suspension when you come off the bench. Like there's no, there's no like negotiating that there's no haggling with that. Like if you come off the bench and you're not playing in the game at that time, like you're getting a one game suspension. So, you know, the only guy who didn't come off that bench, which was Terrence Ross, which I guess doesn't surprise me, but it's just interesting that he was the only guy that didn't come off the bench. Um, I mean, as far as the suspensions go, like Magic fans thought there, there's like a conspiracy theory with Joe Dumars being in charge that, you know, he favored the Pistons and how the, the suspensions came out. Like Killian Hayes got three games. Moritz Wagner got two. Everybody else got one after that, including Diallo. Diallo got one for the shove itself. But, you know, because this happened right in front of the Detroit bench, like that's all the guys that Detroit lost. Then the Magic had basically, like I said, everybody else. Got to go in game suspension, but T-Ross. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What's your viewpoint on the punishments, Penny? Because you said you, you didn't you didn't care for them. I thought Killian was going to get, like, five. And then, in that instance, maybe you could have had Mo get, like, three. But I I, I don't know. I, I, what What's your viewpoint on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, in my eyes, I don't think that uh, Moritz was uh, deserving of a two game suspension, which technically ended up being three with health uh, and sickness. But, um, you know, I thought that was an ejection and one game at most. And then Killian Hayes, obviously instigated and escalated and to only give him one more game uh, then then mo seems kind of short-sighted, uh, especially when you're punching a guy in the back of the head and, and you know, it it turned out okay, but could have turned out a very different way. Yeah, fair
0: enough. Um, I guess calendar wise was interesting because like uh, Hayes came back and played way before Mo did from on a, from a calendar perspective. So that was interesting. But anyway, so for that next game against the wizards, we had no centers, and West Unseld Jr. just had the Wizards focused and playing well, and we wore down fast in that game. After we had a pretty good start overall, but then we it just it turned into a blowout, and Kristaps Porzingis was huge on both ends, and that was a bad way to end the 2022 calendar year. So um, the new year's been a lot better to us since then because uh, look, Paolo he won December Rookie of the Month in the Eastern conference. So, uh, you know, Paolo became the ninth magic rookie ever to win, uh, that month, you know, a monthly rookie award. Um, the ankle injury is the only reason why he didn't win it for October and November. But, uh, I mean, any thoughts on Paolo? It's a little funny cause on the other side, like Keegan Murray, I think averaged like 12 or 13 points per game to win it for, for uh, for the West Award. And here's Paolo racking up like 19, 20 points per game. So um I mean there's thoughts on Paolo for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I, it's not breaking news. I think it's gonna be a two-man race for the rest of the year between Paolo and and Ben Matherin in Indiana. And it's hard to imagine uh Paolo not being the front runner every single month leading up to being the front runner for rookie of the year at the end.
0: Yeah, as long as Paolo stays healthy and he he's going to rack up a few more of these monthly awards and he'll I mean, if he stays healthy through even like March or through even like February, I think I I think it's his award. Um, Mathurin, look, I get it. He's averaging like 17 points per game. I think it's like it's a basically about four points per game less than Paolo, um, but he's mostly still playing off the bench. And so he's not being like double and triple team like Paolo is like he's not like a starters focus like Ben Matherin is, but um, yeah, that kid's really good. And you know, the Pacers, they definitely got a really good player, but I mean, Paolo it's, it's his award to lose at this point. Like I think it was Chris Vernon on the mismatch said that you have, if you want uh, from a rookie of the year, a rookie of the year betting perspective, you would have to drop a thousand dollars as a bet to win a hundred dollars. Uh, on Paolo. Like that's how much of a favorite Paolo is at this point. Like it's it's his to lose for sure. So anyway, so the Magic versus Oklahoma City. Bulbo Bowl- was out because of COVID. Moore his two game suspension started this game instead of the Wizards game. Now the league determined he was out sick in the Wizards loss. Um it must it was definitely some type of illness. It wasn't from like any like the blow or the hit that Hayes gave him. Um he was sick, I guess, but it, it was just a big loss for the next game, honestly, against the Grizzlies, too, because Moritz could have banged around with Steven Adams when we, you know, when we were short big men at that time. And I think it was just a big magic mess up when it came to n- Moritz not serving his suspension immediately for that Wizards game, because then we didn't have him for the Memphis game. But um, I don't know what's your viewpoint on uh on that i mean i it's it's a big magic fuck up because like i don't understand how I, I don't understand how you let that happen like i don't care if he's sick like you don't reveal that shit like he's available at that point and you're getting you know, on honor system be damned like i'm you know i don't yeah. know <laughs> i don't know what happened <laughs> with that
1: yeah, uh, I don't know why they were rushing for to add him to the uh, injury report for a game that he's already slated to be suspended for. We, I, to be fair, I don't know the inner workings, but it's hard to imagine that you couldn't squeak one by there. Um, especially watching Steven Adams manhandle people all the time when you know any big body would be of of a huge help. Hey, absolutely. And look,
0: I'm glad the Magic won the OKC game to start the 2023 year. Um, but then that second, I mean, we had like three, four days off between the Wizards game and that and that OKC game. So we we had to win that home game, and thankfully we did. Because that next night against the Grizzlies, it was just Magic were inconsist- uh, inconsistently defending again, and Memphis just had their way with us. And not having Moritz Wagner to go up against Stephen Adams hurt us big time for sure. And you know, I think that was – and, yeah, so, I mean, then we went on this road trip that we're on right now, this five-game West Coast road trip. Um, And we started with a win at Golden State, who didn't have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or Jonathan Kaminga. But I – you know, no sympathy from us because we're still leading the league in most games uh, lost due to injury and COVID. So – and I think we have, like, a 50-game lead on, on the next – uh hurt team in miami so no no sympathy from us on that um i will say because this is because look again we're recording this on the 12th of january the magic are two and one right now on this west coast road trip and you know you and i could have been all could have been on hand for these three games, you know, in Golden State, Sacramento, and Portland. Um, If if it wasn't for work stuff that got in the way, we'd we'd be on this trip. So I apologize that we couldn't be on this trip because we missed out on on some pretty good uh, performances. But, uh, yeah, with this Golden State game, look, I – we uh we watched this one at the at the porch south where the magic and the six man show were we're having the watch party there. Um, it was our second watch party that we've been to this season. Uh, the last one we were at Cabo's when we beat Boston. So we're two and zero on magic watch parties this season. So gotta keep it going. But um, yeah, I was I was nervous with this game because you know out of the gate the Warriors made eight first quarter threes. But I mean we had a complete showing overall in this win. I mean. You know, Anthony Lamb almost pulled a Gennaro Pargo, like magic killer type of all time performance. But thankfully, Lamb cooled off in that second half. And yeah, I mean, we can. You know, I don't know if uh, what thoughts you had on the game, pr- uh, particularly if you just want to focus on like the porch and the menu. Um, what'd you eat at the porch again?
1: I I got the porchetta, uh, porchetta sandwich. I got to tell you, I wasn't looking forward to going to the porch for whatever reason, but. Uh, food was good. Atmosphere was good and you can't go wrong with the 25 ounce Michelob Ultra magic cans available.
0: Yeah. This time, uh, I put both the two I had in the car immediately and they're sitting in my room now. So we're, you know, job, job done by me at this time. Cause the we I don't know why I spaced out, but I let the cavos uh, server take the, take the cans that I had. And I, I, I don't know what happened, but I, uh, I redeemed myself from that mistake, but yeah, yeah, I had the, uh, the pulled pork tacos and then I got greedy with the Reese's pie dessert and it was awesome. It was great. Um, you know, we, we, we were talking about how the porch on the porch South, you know, the, the original porch is on, is in winter park, close to park Avenue. Um, and this porch South is, I think they opened it during the pandemic or just around there, but, um, it's always been busy there. It's always been, you know, I think we remember I think that space used to be friendlies where we once had a fantasy football draft. I could be wrong on that, but um uh, it's definitely that area of the of the plaza yeah. there. But um yeah, we're we're two on on watch parties. But the porch south, we were talking about how it's it's always busy on the weekends, so I was a little worried because I show up at like seven fifty, and this game tips off at eight forty, and I show up at like seven forty five, seven fifty, and it's already full with mostly Magic fans. Some folks were there to watch the Jags beat the Titans, uh, you know, in that basically playing game for them for the NFL playoffs. But um, you know, thankfully, I you know, I had reserved the table. Uh, this is the second time now that we've sat outside for a watch party, which. I gotta be honest, man. You know, I, I, you know, I've said it, I'll say it to the, to the folks. I don't mind sitting outside, like, uh, other than the, the really strong weed smells that start uh, roaming around, around me at, at like halftime and for the rest of the game, like not being close to the DJ booth is really helpful. Cause I'm sure I'd have a migraine if I was listening to the DJ booth that, that for that long. And at that loud of a I have a volume, but, um,
1: yeah. You know, I got I gotta to say, to be fair to them, they have a job to do, right? Oh, yeah, but, of course, yeah. Uh, I've been shocked. We've been to both watch parties, both Magic Wins. The, the takedown for the uh, hype crew and DJ uh, begins in the third quarter, essentially. So you're not getting any, like, cut-ins or celebration after the Magic Win for the Magic Watch Party, which to me is a little weird. It's weird, and I mean, you're missing a, a a
0: massive opportunity not to play like an Orlando Magic theme song or something when we win the freaking game, because uh, you know our diehard fans love the original Orlando Magic theme song. So um, I would, I mean, look, m- most of these places have their own sound system. Like if you if you give them the the song, they'll they they might play it actually and that's maybe what we should we should ask them to do it seems
1: like a, a miss for the i don't know there should be some sort of activation or upsell or uh blue shot that goes on sale after the final but like there should be one more piece of the puzzle to complete the night there
0: yeah at least with this one we got lucky with the Michelob uh, ultra girls because they gave us the free cans like that saved us like 18 bucks so i was pretty <laughs> i was pretty happy about that but um right. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was a good time. And uh, you know, I don't know where the next one's gonna be, but uh hopefully uh it'll be another magic win for that. So we go from the Golden State game to Sacramento, where you know we had a day off in between, but it was just another horrible defensive magic showing. Like it's it's very inconsistent, the defensive stuff right now and You know, the Kings just torched us. Like, they set a franchise record making 23 triples on the night, which, funny enough, that's our franchise high when we set it in Sacramento in 2009. Sorry, Penny, were you saying something? I was going to say,
1: sounds familiar. Shout out to Jeremy Richardson.
0: Shout out to Jay Rich, the original Jay Rich, but uh, not Jason Richardson. But (laughs) um, Moritz, he, Moritz Wagner was looking hurt to me. Like, he looked kind of sluggish in the Warrior game, but here in the Kings game, it really... I always I worried. I don't know if there's something going on with his legs or, or what, but he's just not moving. Right. Wendell, this wasn't a great Wendell game. Like he'll fight his ass off till the end, but he's, he's dealing with plantar fasciitis the whole season. That's not going to go away. Like it, it may not go away till the off season at this point. Um, and then Bamba just was basically worthless in this game. Like we, we, this was a game we needed like a Robin Lopez, like to just bang in the paint. And we just didn't have it. Um, and then Sacramento is the least injured team in the NBA. The you know, like I said, the Magic are on pace to lead the league in you know lost man games for the third consecutive season. And here's Sacramento, who might not even need to play in to make the playoffs. Um they're looking great, and that's because they're healthy. It helps when you're healthy. You know, the magic for the 2018-2019 season, we're healthy, and that was a big reason why we made the playoffs and finished 42 and 40. But you know, the Kings. They're healthy. Mike Brown's got them playing pretty well. Um, I still think the Halliburton trade was stupid, but I mean Sabonis, I like a lot. I I'm I I was always I was instantly mad when we included the Sabonis pick in the Oladipo trade, but uh, yeah, I mean the Kings are typically horrendous in the paint, and we just never took it to the to them at, at you know to the rim nearly enough in this game. And the Kings clearly wanted that game more, like they. They had struggled a little bit in the past few games and, you know, maybe some of our guys were feeling under the weather between like Bull being out with COVID and then some of the guys looking a little off. I don't know. Maybe there was something going on for that game, but you know, we looked lethargic and we, we got our asses handed to us and Sacramento was able to light that beam. And I think the magic not holding shoot around in that arena hurts uh, because we had just some bad shot misses, like we had like some air balls. We had some shots that didn't even look like they were close. And, um, you know that Kings, you know we haven't been to that Kings building, but I mean it's brand new. It's gigantic. Like depth perception looked like it might have been a factor early on in that game. I don't know any thoughts on the Kings
1: game, Penny. Well, it doesn't help when Harrison Barnes has a turn back the clock game uh, against you, and I. A- Are are we mad that the magic whose Amway Center has a lit spire didn't come up with something similar? I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of how you feel about uh, the king's ownership or the franchise or whatever, objectively, it's just a really, really fucking cool thing. It is caught on.
0: The beam is really freaking cool. Now, it's funny because they stole the bell from Mosley. That's the funny thing. Um, (laughs) They stole the bell from him. But uh, yeah, you would think. Gosh, you think we would have came up, come up with something now? Cause I mean, let's be honest, like the Amway center f- from the inside is fine on the outside. It looks like kind of like a tin like square and it's not that appealing to look at. Um, But you know, the balcony area is nice. And you know, like you, like you said, like the we've got that spire, but we, we haven't been able to come up with anything. And I guess it, it, you know, when you've been garbage for eight of the past 10 years, I guess there's not much inspiration involved in, in changing that. But I mean, since we moved to the new building in 2010, like we we haven't really come up with anything other than now making fans try and stand up to start the game. But that doesn't really mean anything. So, um, yeah, that's it. So for this latest game now, the second night of a back to back in Portland. Bull got over his COVID and rejoined the team in Portland, but Bold did not play in this game, though. Um, it could be a hint that he's one, he's not going to be a starter going forward, which he shouldn't be. At two, it'll be interesting to see in this Utah game on Friday. Like, does he actually come off the bench or not? But you know, the Blazers, they've been struggling a bit coming into it. They have a turnover problem that we needed to exploit in order to win. I think this actually ended up being a 16-16 turnover game. So we didn't really exploit it. Like Portland had games where there was like they had like 26 turnovers, I think, in one game. Like they had some really bad stuff going on. So um, but Nurkic and Gary Payton the second were back for them. Nurkic looked rusty, thank God. That's a big body. Uh he was uh not moving that great, and thankfully a lot of his shots weren't going in. Paulo, he seemed happy to be back in the Northwest. His parents were courtside at the game, as well as a lot of other family and friends. And you know, the Magic have a lot of Northwest connections. You got Markel Foltz, who he's from DC, but he went to UW. And then Terrence Ross is from Portland himself, and he went to UW. So, I mean, Paolo being a Seattle guy, until Seattle gets their their franchise back, uh, as they should, uh, Portland's gonna be as close as uh to the, as close to Seattle as it's going to get NBA wise at the moment. And look, the Magic they uh looked a lot more lively out of the gate in this game than they did against Sacramento. They had a lot of steals and dunks in. It kind of fueled them for how that game would would kind of go. Um Magic got very sloppy in the second period. They went from 19 to uh, from a, yeah, up 19 to a 50-50 game at halftime, so uh that was not great. But then the Magic opened the third on a very physical 15-0 run as uh Nurkic and Wendell were just battling hard in there. And uh, Paolo, Franz, Wendell, Fultz, uh, Moritz, they were all great in this game. Cole, he continues, you know, looking like, kind of like a backcourt weak link with the Fultz, Gary, and even uh, like a minutes-restricted Jalen Suggs being better. Uh, Two-way options on the floor than Cole. Um, Franz, being Mr. Fourth Quarter is definitely a thing with him. You know, he had 15 fourths quarter points in this one. I think he's, he's now top five in fourth quarter points. He's on that list with like Giannis did a and like Tatum, I think. And um, yeah, he's taken the old hero uh, turkey crown of being Mr. Fourth quarter. And again, I got to emphasize window was immense against Nurkic and the refs tried to screw us late, but ball don't lie. You know, we were lucky Portland shot 17% for, uh, from three, but you know that last possession for Portland was just karma. You know, Fultz was everywhere in that last defensive possession, and we made sure Lillard, who he had 22 points in the second half. You know, he had like eight at halftime, and he dropped 22 in the second half. Like he knew Lillard would get it going, but he wasn't one of the three Blazers to shoot in that last possession, and that was important. And we won the game despite Portland scoring 70 points in the paint. And you know, we found a way. What are your uh, what are your Blazer game thoughts,
1: there, Penny? I just very quickly, I think overall, I would categorize it as a surprising win. Got lucky a bit in the end with the three threes, got super lucky that uh, I think Jeremy Grant looked off Damian Lillard, who was wide open on the wing to, you know, potentially have a game tying opportunity there. But did you see in the first quarter on uh, one of Cole Anthony's kind of wayward drives where he. Uh, essentially reenacted the Mark Sanchez, butt fumble. I I was worried that he was going to concussed himself on an ass and be out for the rest of the game.
0: Um, I didn't want to mention it, but I'm glad you did. I guess. Yeah, it was.
1: uh, It was not good. He he
0: got a face full of ass on that. And um, I I was worried. I thought he might've been concussed, but I think he was more embarrassed than just about the situation, but it's, it's not been a great stretch
1: for Cole. Yeah, that's the way things are going for Cole. Hopefully he'll get it turned around and uh uh at the end of the day, at least it ended up just being a, a comical thing and, and sealed with a win. Um, we're two and one on this road trip, Penny. I don't know what, what your
0: hopes or expectations were going on this trip, but I said like if we went two and three on this West Coast trip, like I would have been happy. So now you got some some room to play with here. Like you got a tough game in Salt Lake City, but we're you know, we've got a few days off of rest here coming into Salt Lake City on Friday. And then Sunday, look, you're ending a tough five-game road trip in Denver. One of the best teams in the league. There's going to be a Aaron Gordon revenge game potential factor yeah. there. But Paolo's going up against him. So, that's going to be just a fascinating matchup. Because Aaron Gordon is having his best season in NBA
1: on both ends of the floor. And, yeah, yeah I mean, we're two and one, Penny. And I, I'm i pretty happy, man. I two – Finishing two and three, I think again, still happy on the trip. The Jazz are really feisty. I'm sure Lori Markin and will, will give us a, a good game uh, tomorrow night. But that's a that's one we can get after a little bit of rest. And then uh, I just don't, you know, Denver probably playing the best basketball in the NBA right now, and uh, Jokic is is uh, just insane. So. Can't imagine us winning that one, but it'll be nice to see where we stack up against, a, who I believe, to be the best team in the NBA at the moment.
0: Yeah, and then you get four full days off when you come back to Orlando before you face uh, the New Orleans Pelicans on Friday, January 20th, I believe it is. And they won't have Zion Williamson. Who knows if they'll have Brandon Ingram. Um, so there's an opportunity there to to really... I know the Magic have been poor coming off four days of rest or three full days of rest going into a game. But, you know, there's an opportunity here, and there's going to be an opportunity to, you know, throw in a guy like Jonathan Isaac to make his long-awaited Orlando Magic uh, season debut because uh, Isaac is playing for the Lakeland Magic right now. And, you know, he played last night. He played Wednesday night um, in Lakeland. Dante Marticitelli called the game with uh, Nick Grenowitz. Uh, you can definitely see the uh, the production differences uh, between an Orlando Magic game and a Lakeland Magic game. Um, I was shocked that how empty it was at that RP funding center, uh, arena. So that I expected more people there, but the people that were there, they, uh, they cheered hard for Isaac. And, you know, that's where RJ Hampton's been, uh, the past few games, dropping 30 plus point games. Keyvon Harris was there. Um, you know, this is supposedly a fir- the first of, two games that Isaac's going to play with Lakeland, you know, he played last night, Wednesday, and then, uh, in that Westchester Knicks, uh, Lakeland win. And then either for also Friday tomorrow or Saturday, there's a home back to back against the Greensboro swarm. Isaac's expected to play in one of those games. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe it'd be better if he played the Saturday game because if you play Friday, then the Magic, the, his, uh, his fellow Magic teammates, won't be able to watch. Uh, they'll be prepping and playing in that Utah game. Um, but yeah, I mean, look with this with this first Lakeland game for Isaac. You know, Kevon Harris led the way. He had 27 points. RJ didn't get a lot of touches in this one because they were focused on getting Jonathan Isaac touches. And it's the first time on the court. Uh, for Isaac in a game since August, 2020, when they were in the bubble, you know, August 2nd, 2020 is when he had that devastating injury and Isaac for his first game really in two and a half years, almost, um, you know, he had 15 points on six to 12 shooting, five rebounds, one assist, one block and about 15 minutes off the bench. They gave Isaac the ball a bunch. Those first six minutes, he was on the floor. I think he scored 13 points in that stretch alone. The big thing was he wasn't afraid of contact. He had quite a few strong takes to the rim, including like a dunk or two, but he also made some turnaround jumpers. He did a lot of pivoting on his legs, um, which is encouraging. Like the only thing that didn't go well for him was the three ball. I think he was like 0 for three on threes, but he even like dribbled the ball up the floor. He posted dues up in the paint. Like he showed rust. like there's some clunky, the reactions and movement, but I mean, pretty solid overall, like, he got tired in the second half. That's normal for this type of situation. He has, you know, like I said, that you know, another Lakeland game. He he got the nerves out of the way real, real quick, and I think he might he might look even smoother in the second game, whether it's Friday or Saturday. But um, it looks like it's setting up for Ji to return for the Orlando Magic on Friday, January twentieth, for that New Orleans game. You know, because. He's gonna have he's gonna be able to spend three, four full days off for practicing or you know, just being around the guys for the real thing. Like he's been practicing and doing stuff before that, but now like he's it looks like he's gonna be playing soon. And he hasn't played a regular season NBA game since uh that DC Wizards game was January first, 2020. So it's been over three years since Jonathan Isaac's played a regular season NBA game, basically. Um so yeah, I mean, uh, Penny, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on the Isaac return?
1: Yeah, I mean, the return to action in Lakeland, I would categorize it as a, about the the best outcome possible. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I mean, to your point, not shying away from con- it wasn't like he was hanging out exclusively on the perimeter. He was seeking out contact, uh, you know, being active as we are accustomed to seeing him uh, not, not limiting himself to like straight line opportunities or anything. He's seemed to be doing everything, uh, on that leg or both legs that, uh, you know, would necessitate or precipitate a return. So, um, I I thought overall exactly what you want to see the, and certainly a huge milestone for him and, and for the team and maybe some vindication, uh, hopefully at the way all of this has been handled, if he's able to continue to clear all of the hurdles and work back towards uh, being on the floor with the big ball club. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can
0: get into this now because, um, you know, we can call these halfway point resolutions, New Year's resolutions, but I, I want to go through basically the the entire team. And Jonathan Isaac's, new, you know, New Year's resolution or whatever resolution should be to not do those like giraffe-like moves in the paint or in in the lane when he's get when he's trying to go in for either a bucket or to kick it out or whatever, which he didn't do in, in this Lakeland game. Like he didn't like overextend his steps. Like he, he was pretty composed while still being like a presence and lanky. And yeah, he spent a lot of time in the paint. Like he usually does not in even with, you know, throughout his whole time with the Orlando magic, like he's not been in the paint that much. So Cause in the bubble, I mean, we saw, he looked almost like Kevin Durant light with some of the stuff he was trying to do. And, you know, he's hitting mid range jumpers. He's in turnaround jumpers. Like I, but I just, from, from a health perspective, like I, if, if this guy wants to be healthy the rest of this season, you know, and, just hold up, man. I like, he can't do like crazy jump steps or crazy draft like steps. Like that's what he needs to focus on. Like the rest is going to come. Like he is a walking defense player of the year candidate when he's on the floor, you know, he's, he's gotta be a little bit better on the three ball. Like he looked definitely a little rusty from deep. I'm a little worried about the shot, uh, style where it looks like his knees are knocking every time he goes up for a shot. Like I, as long as his legs hold up, that's all that matters. But, um, any uh, resolution viewpoint from Isaac
1: going in? I just just resolve to get on the floor and stay on the floor. Simple as <laughs> After that. All years. right, all
0: right. We're gonna go now based off points per game in descending order. So Paolo Ben he's played thirty five games, twenty one point two points per game, seven point nine free throw attempts per game is elite for a rookie. Both those stats. Like we we have our star scorer. If I'm gonna nitpick, it'd be. For him to up his efficiency, like he's at he's at 43.5 field goals per uh, field goal percentage per game, 31.3 three-point percentage, which is on the uptick. Like it's both of those are actually going back up a bit now. Um 75.8 free throw percentage. Like, if he can get above 45 percent from the field and 80 from the free throw line by the end of the season, like we might be in the playing. Like that's 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 how big of a deal this is with how. How just immense of a presence he is uh for our team. And you know, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, a season-ending injury is basically the only thing that's going to prevent Paolo from winning rookie of the year at this point. Like, that's his award. Now it's all about can you stay in the play-in hunt? Can you somehow get in the play-in? Like you're, th- you're three games out of it. Um, the cool thing has been reading up on Mark Spears's uh Anscape coverage of Paolo where you know, Paolo admitted he went through a rookie wall, his version of a rookie wall in December. And then that those four days off between December 23rd and December 27th, he felt did him a lot of good. Um, there's been a there's a lot of good coverage on
1: that from Mark Spears. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you got for Paolo, Penny? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the easy route here. I think the resolution is to. Uh, really focus on the uptick and the three point shooting percentage. We know it's creeping up, but uh, again, as we talked about unlocking that kind of third level of scoring will just amplify and exemplify everything else that, that is already uh, at an elite level for his game.
0: Cause he's starting to get those like eight to 12 rebounds per game. And he's a good passer. Like he's, he's going to start he, That assist total is going to maybe hit, creep up towards six. If he's, sharing the ball and we're knocking shots down but he's not Carmelo Anthony he's not a black hole like he this guy's legit and yeah it's gonna be fun watching him and his partner Franz Wagner who has only missed the one game this season due to suspension so Franz misses out on uh on another 82 game season here uh but his right hand you know he might finally be you know it might finally be healed like he had the tour tendons Early on in that season and that disappointing home game loss to the Rockets, like his, his hand might finally be good. Now he's at 20.2 points per game. He's up around what five points from his rookie season averages. Like you're either picking Franz or Evan Mobley as the best player of the 2021 draft at this point. And from a magic fan perspective, I'm not taking Evan Mobley over Franz. And I think you agreed on this penny last pod when we talked about it, but um, yeah, Franz is up to 49 Percent shooting from the field 35.3 from three point range after starting the season shooting 19 percent from deep um he's shot he's been shooting like 43 percent from three in january like it's it's, it's on the up and then 86 percent from the free throw line like he was a 50 40 90 guy at Eurobasket. he's 49 35 86 as an nba sophomore half or halfway through his nba sophomore season it's impressive He's top five in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring, which is, again, unbelievable. And only thing I'd say is just keep improving on the ball handling because he's kind of he's turning into our Hito like closer and he's already better in he, than Hito in so many ways. It's insane.
1: Yeah, I I'm going to cheat on this one, too, I think. But you can if, cheat
0: on all these. I don't care. Gonna, man. <laughs> I mean,
1: I. I think the resolution for Franz has to be to to hire a better PR person for himself I mean there's there's just I anecdotally or or is there any craftier player in the league right now in terms of left hand right hand finishing at awkward angles like uh and to be doing it at his size is is just incredible and it's hard to fathom that um, you know, maybe the bulk of, of NBA fans across the league don't really know who this guy is and what he's capable of doing on the floor. Yeah. I mean, maybe Jokic or, or, or uh,
0: or Luca maybe kind of do some of that. But I mean, Franz, honestly, like they don't, like, no one does it like Franz from a geometric, like, angle perspective from either hand. Like, you're, you're right. Like, he does it often and a lot. And, It's sad because you don't see these on the highlight reels. Like you'll see Jokic, you'll see Luka, but Franz is doing like some just some crazy stuff when he's getting in the paint and he's converting on these where he was missing them early on in the season. He made them in his rookie season, so we knew he could do it. And you know, he's basically just unlocking like a better version of himself. Like Zach Lowe and and uh Bill Simmons on Bill Simmons Ringer uh pod uh this week, like they mentioned Franz as a potential all star reserve. Like they didn't mention even Paolo, but because Franz is so efficient and so great on both ends of the floor. And look, Paolo, I know I I guess I didn't mes- mention it, but I guess Paolo will improve on his help defense, but Paolo is a good one-on-one defender, but Franz is good like all over the floor. It's insane with him. Uh any other thoughts before i move on to the next one, Benny? No, we're just lucky to have him. <laughs> yeah, really, god. And he's only 21. It's it's insane. I mean, look, I mean Paolo and Franz are the first rookie sophomore duo to average over 20 points per game since uh what is it since Jerry Stackhouse and and Allen Iverson in 96-97. Like that's that's insane. And yeah, they're doing it at 21 and 20 years old, and the magic future is bright just with those two alone. And thankfully, we got a little bit more than them because we're gonna talk about Wendell Carter Jr. next. So Wendell is at 16 points per game. boards of contest, 53% from the field, 36.3% on 3.5 attempts from deep and 78% from the free throw line. All that is great. Honestly, like health is a big one with him. Like he's played 23 of the 42 games this season. I mean, the resolution for him is just keep building your body up to where you can play 75 plus regular season games per season. Like he's battling that plantar fasciitis. So some games he'll noticeably be wincing others seems to be handling it better but that's a tough dude and considering he's undersized at center and handling big bodies like Nurkic and even Sabonis like well like Jokic he's got a big Jokic test come Sunday you know assuming he gets through the Utah game Friday okay like Wendell's got that big Jokic test Sunday and then Joel Embiid like those are the big body tests that you know most bigs don't handle those guys well but Wendell from a growth perspective like he if he can get to where he's playing, he he's he's kind of lowering their output just even a little bit. Like that's a big dub. But for for him, I, yeah, I just need him to play more than sixty plus games a season. Like if he can get up towards the seventy five game season route, then he's golden. He's going to be around a long time, and he's on a hell of a contract.
1: Yeah, and um, I. I don't know if we've touched on this. Uh, my, I think the resolution is a simple one other than health. I, I'd like to see the three-point pers- uh, three attempt take up again. I think last year really implemented the, you know, stroking the three ball and then building off of that with the pump fake and and really, again, unlocking uh his full offensive potential he's shooting a good percentage would like to see that number tick up to maybe closer to five a game but i don't know if we talked about this the eyewear this year has been uh, holding up much less problematic holding up yeah it's not
0: quite the Horace uh grant goggle look but i mean these specs are bigger and wider so i think he sees better than you would <laughs> with the Horace grant specs so but they're holding up i mean every once in a while in some of these games, like they're, they're getting still knocked off his head, but it, it's it's upgraded. It's it, it's a good improvement. That's a good uh, that, that's a good viewpoint there, Penny. But all right, Markel Fultz. So we're 11 and 10 in the 21 games he's played in his return this season. 12 points per game, 5.6 assists per game. And that's ticking up. That's a career high assist wise, you know, and it'd be higher. But we fall in love with ISO ball still too much. And we'll see if, if that 5.6 can somehow uptick to like seven by the end of the season. But look, 49.1 field goal percentage is a career best for faults. 32.1, three point percentage is also a career best. That's on 1.3 attempts per game, which is fine. Like one, one to two attempts per game. I'm good with that. And it's the open kind, you know, he's not really forcing anything. 1.7 steals per game. That's a career best right now. It helps when you have six steal games. But, um, you know, my biggest nitpick with him is the free throws. Like, he needs more than two attempts per game with how physically he plays and how physically he gets uh, to the rim. And that 69 uh, free throw percentage, it's not nice. Like, that's got to be way better. But, you know, his mid-range game is fantastic. He's, you know, he's part of that core starting four where – you know, our only big question at the moment is the other wing spot. Like we're solid with you know Paolo Franz Wendell and Fultz,
1: and you know, what are your uh, what are your Fultz viewpoints, there, Penny? Yeah, I mean, I at least for his magic tenure, the free throw shooting um, this year is kind of an aberration compared to the other years. I anticipate yeah. that uh, taking back up as the season goes along. Um, I I think it's an eye test thing because the numbers don't bear it out, but, you know, maybe uh, a little better finishing around the rim. Uh, Certainly there's been some prominent ones where he's gotten into the lane and kind of left the ball on the rim. But uh, I think the the resolution here is figuring out how to play with all the new toys. Yeah, I mean,
0: look, you're seeing him get more and more confident, not just with himself now that he's 21 games in, but, yeah, with the other guys. And, I mean, that's why his assist numbers are going up. Like, he's – He's figuring it out. And look, man, I, I love big pass first big uh, point guards and he's, he's the guy, man. It's, 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 it's his, it, you know, it, it's his, he runs a show like the, he gets our pace up to where, you know, he improves our offense just simply by getting our pace up. Like it's. And he's he usually does a really good job with the ball. And he had some, he has some crazy passes up his sleeve. Like he had that one hook shot pass. What was in Sacramento where he was in the post and two, three Kings like converged on him. And he gave a hook shot out to Gary Harris for an elbow corner three like that. Kid's great, man. And all right, let's go to the next one. So bowl bowl. He had played every game for us until COVID got him. Um, this whole season has been just a career best for him, basically. 12 points per game, 7.1 rebounds per game, which I consider good for him as a skinny 7-foot-2-inch guy who is a perimeter player at heart. 58.8 field goal percentage is elite, 38.8% from three-point range on 1.8 three-point attempts per game is just great. Um blocks per game. He was early on in the season. He was like top three in rejections. He was like at three and a half early on. You know, that's gone down with just numbers and then I guess defense or other teams kind of figuring out how to keep away from Bull. But I mean, he's in essence like a fourth-year rookie. Like, he's 23 years old. He's played 37 games this season. But if he plays 17 more games this season, he'll have more than doubled his career NBA games played total. And I think Ball hit kind of a similar rookie wall that Paolo hit in December. Like, obviously, their walls varied in different degrees. But defenses were figuring out Ball's kind of ball-handling and dribbling tendencies. And you could just see that Ball was just getting frustrated a bit. And he's going to be fine overall. Like, he just needs to find a balance now when – You know, when and when not to kind of handle the ball a lot. And now that our roster is finally fairly healthy, you know, my resolution for bowl is just focus on being a productive seventh or eighth man off the bench. And can you do it consistently on a nightly basis? Because if he can do that on a consistently, consistently nightly basis, there's going to be some spot starts for him in the future, depending on matchups. And if he builds that consistency he's going to be just an enormous asset for us going forward and it's just a hell of a steal like boston gave us cash to take him on and here's bull now being a, you know a rotation guy basically if if he can if he can figure out the consistency unlike say a guy like Cole Anthony at the moment
1: yeah i we're going to leave defense alone for now but i think uh in addition to resolving to be a seventh or eighth man the other resolution needs to be uh being more assertive and more aggressive and sliding into that seventh or eighth man role where he's going to be the primary focal point of the offense um not passing up any catch and shoot opportunities on the perimeter not trying to look to get other people involved but trying to go out there and score 20 off the bench every night Okay, next one, Moritz Wagner. He is also at 12 points per
0: game, just like with Foltz and Bowl. He is exactly on 12 points per game. 6.3 rebounds per contest, two assists per game. He's up to 21 games played this season. Uh 49.4% shooting from the field, 34.2 three-point percentage on three and a half attempts per game is solid, considering he was showing a lot of rust on three-point shooting, uh when he you know when he first returned. And He's been awesome in Orlando his, his, his whole magic tenure at this point. And I think he deserves to be the backup center moving forward. Like he brings the type of shithousery annoyance to opponents (laughs) that we need. And, you know, as long as he's not starting fights, you know, but uh, he, he's doing what basically Michael Carter Williams was doing and he makes $1.8 million this season. And he's going to be a free agent this summer, you know, Mo's resolution should be, don't let Bamba or anyone else take his backup center, man. It's just simple as that. And I don't know if that's helping make phone calls to get Bamba traded out of here, but I mean, like it, it's, it's, it's Mo's job right now. And I mean, last, it, the only other center backup center, or like third string center that we would need is like another Robin Lopez type of guy who they're third string center, and they only need to be involved if one of Wendell or Morris is hurt because, you know, Mo, I think is good enough, and I mean the percentages are starting to bear out. And overall, he's a pretty solid defender. And you need a guy that that can bang, and he can bang. And unlike Wendell Carter Jr., who's like six nine, like he's listed six ten, but he looks shorter than six ten. Like Mo is a legit seven footer, and he's just got that toughness, man, that we need. And along with just the offensive punch, and I. I love Mo Wagner, man. Like he's, he's amazing money, you know, money for value or value for money. And um,
1: yeah, that's, that's my viewpoint on Mo what you got. Well, he's, he's been great and uh, I'll own it. He's been great. And I do, I think we've seen it the last couple of games. I don't think there's any uh, other reason for it. I think he's uh, leapfrogged Mo Bamba in the rotation and obviously deservedly. So yeah, uh, basically the counting stats are career highs for him even uh when we were throwing him all the minutes in the you know real hard tank job 2 years ago so everything's good there the the only resolution i can think of here is to we got to find we got to get him to find another brother is there <laughs> another one um i can't remember now from from
0: a family member perspective i don't i don't believe so i think there's a sister i don't think there's a brother so but um yeah, I mean, look, Franz being on the team is is going to help his job security, I think, a little bit. Um, now, who knows how much money he's going to want or get offered, but it's going to be fairly affordable. And, yeah, I mean, I, I love Mo Wagner. So, all right, let's get it going here. So, Cole Anthony, 11.9 points per game. He's played 24 games. You know, he had that oblique issue that kept him out. Um I have no problem with Cole thinking he should be a starter. He's 22 His confidence and leadership important, but his resolution should be to build three point consistency up. Cause even more, you know, and even more so than his defending, cause his defending is getting better um, slowly, but surely like he's not like a DJ Augustine like liability, but it's, it's not great, but it is slowly getting better. Um, the 41.6 field goal percentage is a career best, which is fine. Um, but the 30.3 3 point percentage won't cut it um i need i need our sixth man to bring more scoring consistency and look, the 4.6 rebounds per game is great he's an amazing rebounder for his size but you know i i like having Cole Anthony on this team for his leadership and just his character um it's going to be very tough to replace that more so than you know than the numbers per se and the percentages but you know that's why I'm willing. I you know, I'm willing to give him some leeway. Now I don't know whenever it comes time for contract extension stuff, you know, you know, because that's coming up sooner than later. Um, what he's thinking. But I I like having Cole Anthony on this team. I think he can be our sixth man, and you know, he just needs to kind of just own it. And there were spurts during the win streak last month where he was, but now it's it's kind of eating at him a little bit again. And I don't know if that's because you know Gary Harris and, and Suggs are are taking more minutes or more responsibility. I don't know, but um there's no shame in being a six-man in the NBA. And I think Cole just needs to just wrap his head around it just a little bit better and just up that three-point percentage. If he, if he if he gets his three-point percentage to 35 or above, like he's gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, I have to echo you here the resolution for is to embrace and excel in the role given. And whatever he is anticipating financially uh, in the future, I think, uh, probably cut that 33%, uh, at least until he gets his three point percentage up to 33%
0: yeah okay Jalen Suggs 11.1 points per game it's it's all about health with him literally like it's 48 games his rookie season he's only played 18 so far this season like he's an awesome defender no denying it like Jeff Weltman has a hard on for 90th percentile things like he's a 90th percentile defender no doubt about it he could potentially sooner than later be on like an all-defensive team um it's just about staying on the floor and playing games but you know, Jalen's health keeps undercutting his chances of building up his offense as well. And it's a like 41.2 field goal percentage is okay for a sophomore, but like 27.2 three-point shooting and 69.6 free throw shooting is just bad. And the 2.8 turnovers per game is way too high. And he doesn't deserve to start over Gary Harris until he improves that shooting. But Suggs, also at the moment, he just doesn't have the NBA – be a body or durability to be just a crash dummy. And, you know, he's already walking around with a permanent limp. It looks like he's, he's picking up these injuries and I mean, the resolution would be more health, but also, I mean, you know, you got to get the shooting percentages up.
1: Yeah. Health and shooting percentages. I think the resolution for me is the uh, quality of shots that he's taking. Obviously the uh, big game winner against the Bulls was a, you know, manufactured contested three but there's really no reason for him to be taking perimeter shots that are heavily contested at all and continuing to kind of learn the feel and the game and the paint for how to safely seek out the contact and and get shots up at the rim. Yeah. I mean, look, he's got, he's, he's been showing those, those sparks, those instances,
0: you know, he got the bulls game winner Yeah, you know, he had that amazing uh, game against golden state um, at home. Like it's there, like it, he's shown enough where you can be patient with him at the moment, but like, it's, it's all about the injuries and the health with him. So, all right, Gary Harris, nine points per game, 14 games played this so far this season. Health is the big improvement needed from him as well. He is an old 28 years old because of the leg issues that he's got. Um, 47.4% from the field though. 39.6 three point percentage on 3.4 attempts is just great. He should shoot more threes and he makes $13 million per year this season. And next season, it's a solid contract. It's basically just a hair over the mid-level exception. He's our starting shooting guard until Suggs or someone else in the future takes it from him, but you know, Gary off the bench in the future would be just a fantastic asset with his defending prowess and just what he can do. But, you know, un- until we either consolidate an upgrade at that shooting guard position, like I think Gary should be the starter. It's just he, you know, who's healthy between him and Suggs. That's that's how it's going right now at the moment. Like, um, but I mean, I guess his big, th- big improvement for me would be to actually take more threes. That's that that's the overall thing with Gary. I
1: don't know about you, Penny. I I we love Gary, we love Gary not sure what the future holds for mutual love next year so the I think the resolution for him is probably to uh at some point in the next month go out there and find a first round pick and uh Oh you I, want to trade him I I don't want to um but I I think that certainly he's shown the value that he still has and and the hope is that there's somebody on the on the precipice out there that uh is a match that thinks that you know he'll 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 bring them over the hump yeah i'm not i'm
0: not trading gary like uh I, i'm not like it would have to take like either a really good first round pick or like 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 a, like a an outside the lottery first round pick or you know or like a really good young prospect coming back or a really good veteran, I guess, coming back, uh, because he's our best veteran that we have right now, and I value that highly, and he's the guy that I need him to be around for the next two, three years. And, yeah, I I can envision Gary Harris being with the Magic until, like, he retires. Like, I think he's that great, uh, both for the team and just what he provides from a shooting perspective, from a defensive perspective. Like, I'm not getting rid of that guy that easily, so... Um, yeah, that's my viewpoint on Gary. So then we get to Terrence Ross, who's at eight points per game. He's up to 37.5 three point percentage, which it's, it's his highest since the 2019 playoff run season where he shot 38.3% from deep. So he's actually been defending okay of late overall, um, which is cool. He, he turns 32 years old on February 5th. So what, four days before the trade deadline, he's actually been, you know, it's his contract. It's, it's solid. It's it's expiring, but it's only $11.5 million this season. So he'd be making basically the mid-level exception if he, uh, if you were to expand that out, but look, Ross's resolution should be to get himself traded to a West coast playoff team. So you're saying get, you know, Gary, go get a first round pick. I just need Ross to get me like a second rounder to get and get him to the wet to like a West coast playoff team. But you know, he still has bad habits and tendencies on both ends of the floor. And I'd rather give his minutes to someone else. Um, but well, him waited too long, to deal him like they did with Fournier. And we're probably not going to get much for him. Um, what's your T Ross viewpoint? Are you trading both
1: Gary or Ross, and Ross or wait, what's, what's your viewpoint? Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're going to get beyond the. Uh probably a a mid-grade second round pick for him at this point. So uh, I think the resolution for Terrence has to be to get right with seeing his role and responsibilities gradually uh, continue to decline over the course of the rest of the season. It's weird to see him um, on this Magic team uh, averaging less than 10 points a game, but uh, also I think it speaks to uh, the the hope that we have for the future that, uh, you know, we have guys that are taking those minutes and, and producing. Mo Bamba, 7.7 7 points per game, becomes trade
0: eligible January 15th. Mo's resolution should be to get himself dealt as well. He's basically uh, out of the rotation when Wendell and Moritz are playing together, or uh, both, you know, available to play. And look, Mo's 24 years old now. It's his fifth season uh, I'm still not happy that we missed out on both Isaiah Hardenstein and uh, Nick Claxton. Um, you know, we re-signed Mo Bamba. He's making $10.3 million this season and next season, so it's still a very movable contract. He's at 49.2% from the field, which is a career best for him. 37% on, uh, uh, on three-pointers, which is it's very good for him. That's where he's been in the past couple seasons around there, basically. He still can't consistently set a screen he can't consistently post up he can't consistently box out he can't consistently catch a ball like there's there's a team that could use him as their backup center I don't think we should wait around anymore for Bamba to figure it out though um like I said Moritz is better than him and assuming that we are trying to win which it seems like we're trying to win right now you know um this isn't a situation where last season we we played Bomba a bunch of minutes because when we played Moritz Wagner a lot, he was so efficient and so great that he helped us win games. And so that was anti tank. So to help the tank, that's why Bomba got all those minutes. And, you know, I don't know if Bomba's going to figure it out uh, with us ever. And he might, you know, it might just take a trade for him to go somewhere else. And then maybe it gets better for him. But I don't want to pay that guy mid level exception money. Um, yeah. What's your viewpoint on Bomba?
1: Yeah, I feel the same as you. And it's it's one of those cases where uh, I think he's been given every conceivable opportunity and through multiple coaching staffs now, too, to try to uh, unlock that potential that has been shown in flashes, but never with consistency. And uh, the, the resolution is to a great guy, by the way, sadly. A great They're all guy. great guys. Yep uh but the resolutions to find a new city to call home RJ Hampton 6 points per game
0: 25 games played has played more for Lakeland than for the Magic over the last 6 weeks it seems like we uh we decline his team option it's it's over from a magic perspective uh RJ's resolution should be to get his new CAA representation to get him traded for something instead of us just waving him cuz it, it we might end up waving him depending on how things play out but 34% three point shooting. It's you know, still pretty decent considering all the yo-yoing that's been going on with his minutes and, and gameplay, but it's, it's still maddening that we're letting our arguably second best three point shooter leave. And yeah, that's it for Hampton. I don't know if you want to even add any more to that, Benny.
1: Yeah. I, you know, you're uh, you're on Hampton Island. I don't feel the same way, but it is crazy, especially based on how the year has gone that he hasn't even been given like the, you know, there's nobody else available minutes. <laughs> uh, so the resolution I think is to find a very good ghost writer to tell his side of the story. Once this all gets wrapped up. Yes, definitely. Definitely needs to do that because
0: something's going on and you know, maybe it'll, we won't know till he's somewhere else, but all right. Chumo KK 18 games, 5.4 points per game he's going to be out a while still as he can't keep his legs healthy. And he just, he had a, a procedure to, uh, the one that he tore his ACL while at Auburn. So that's, uh, that's a bit of a concern. His NBA future is in trouble in my eyes. Like his body can't handle the NBA schedule at the moment shooting 36.8% from the field, 30% even, uh, three point shooting. That's not, neither of those are good too needs to work on his body's durability in a shot. Um, Caleb Houston should be playing over him, even when Chuma is healthy at the moment. And look, that's that's the tough part about being an NBA player. Like that's the difference between a lot of people that have the talent to be in the NBA and those that actually have the body and the durability to the last 82 games. You're playing more than double in an NBA season than what you would play in a college season. Paolo's found out, uh, you know that out right now. You know, Paolo, I think played 39 games with Duke last year. You know, he's. He's played 35 already. You know the Magic have already played 42 games. Like it's that's the difference. Like Gustavo own, he was he was he had a phenomenal EuroLeague career, you know, but his his body couldn't handle an NBA schedule. Like there's all these examples of all these really good talented players that just physically just can't handle an 82 game regular season in the NBA plus playoffs plus you know preseason. You know that's that's not a knock on them. That's just the reality of it and. Yeah, what are your Chuma
1: thoughts, Penny? Uh, I've always been a a Chuma fan from the beginning. We talked about it before that uh, I think with the previous roster construction, he kind of slid in as the perfect fifth man uh, with other established veterans. I hate to say it based on how things have gone where it's been kind of uh, a regression every year, um, in part, I think, because of the body betraying him. So I hate to say it, but uh i i think the resolution for chuma here is the uh is the is the adam silver meme uh, it's about time to get ready to learn some mandarin
0: <laughs>
1: oh man
0: well it, it, maybe it sounds good in 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 his rap albums too who knows but um yeah i look i love chuma like i he. That that rookie season under Clifford, like I, or, you know, the, or, he was great. Like I, I thought he had a bright future, and his body's kind of not cooperating at the moment. And I'm at the point where it wouldn't shock me if he was included in trades um, here and here before the trade deadline. Um, maybe they'll hold on to him going into the next season, but it's one of those where he's he's low on the totem pole right now, and it's it's not looking great for Tuma right now. So, all right. Admiral Schofield 4.9 points per game. He turns 26 at the end of March. He's living up that two way deal though, after some great December uh games and, and moments Um 47.8 field goal percentage, 33.3% shooting from three on 2.2 attempts uh, per game is not bad actually. And I guess the resolution for him is just keep improving that shooting. Cause I mean, he, he helped win us one of those Boston games basically. And I mean, he's had, he had a great December and yeah, I mean, it's keep improving on that shooting. It's, it's, it's been the season as the season's progressed, it's gotten way better for him. What's your thoughts on him, Penny?
1: Yeah. Hard to have any qualms about what he's delivered uh, in a two-way role this season. So the resolution is to play himself into a contract here or somewhere next year, full, full-time contract.
0: Caleb Houston, 4.0 points per game, 38.1% from the field, but 36.4 three-point shooting on three two, on 2.6 three-ball attempts per game. So field goal percentage bad, three-point percentage pretty good, which, uh, you know, that's pretty good for a rookie campaign. He's averaging 0.9 attempts per game inside the three-point line. So he needs to – I guess improve his finishing inside the arc as well. Cause he's, he's kind of shy of being in there. Basically he's only shooting in there. If he gets like an offensive rebound and puts it up, Um, I guess his resolution should be to find a way to get into that 10 man rotation. Cause as a rookie, it's, it's fine right now that he's basically like the 11th man, but I mean, the kid's good. He's, he's got the talents there, the disciplines there. Like he's good on both ends of the floor, you know, as a three and D guy at the moment. And yeah depending on how things shake up uh with the trade deadline like he could get in that 10-man rotation sooner than we think or it might take the offseason for him to get there but what are your thoughts on caleb he's been a pretty good uh, second
1: round pick so far all, all of the signs are positive so far i think uh Continuing to get the minutes, the the next step for him and the resolution is to find the the add on to the three ball. So whether that's the pump fake, one dribble, pull up, or uh, getting into some other kind of offensive flow out of that is the is the next step for him.
0: Okay, last Magic player, Kevon Harris, three point seven points per game, forty two point one percent from the field, but which actually the 42.1% from field is not bad, but 39.3% from three on 1.1 attempts per game. He's 25 and he's been a very good two-way signing for us. He's great defender. He should shoot more threes. He, you know, Kevon's resolution should be to be on that 15 man magic roster by next season. Like he, he deserves a spot. He deserves more than a two man or than a two-way contract at this point. And he deserves a spot on the 15-man roster with us, and if we consolidate, then that chance could be there sooner than we think.
1: Uh, Kevon, thoughts, Benny? Yeah, um, I think, again, good opportunity for him. We talked about he kind of got screwed with his timeline and, and COVID and everything to uh, be able to show people what he's capable of doing. The The resolution I have is for him to dunk the ball in 2023 so that I can shut the hell up about it. Yeah, did quite a few dunks in December, so he's he's all getting
0: he's getting that going. But all right, uh, I'm gonna do one for Jeff Weltman, Jamal Mosley, and Alex Martins, and you can rebut uh, for any or all of them if you want once I go through them. But with Weltman, I think he needs to speak to the media more than four periods out of the year, uh, like it's the season opener, trade deadline time then the end of the season and then the draft basically is when we we hear from from Weltman and I think fans need to hear more from him um I know he and John Hammond sometimes do the radio interviews but most magic fans don't listen to 969 um don't be reactive be proactive like in their tenure like it seems like we spend way too much time evaluating and we've lost value on players that have departed because of it with Jamal Mosley I mean the obvious resolution would be to dump the bill but look I just wanted to act like a head coach when it comes to dealing with officials. Like it's if Palo's getting roughed up and not getting to the free throw line, like get in the ref's face and eat a technical foul. Like if that whistle isn't being blown equally for the team, like eat a tech, like I promise either the refs are either going to comply or at worst, like that, you're going to fire up your players and they're going to respect you more for protecting them like that. Um, And then I got one more for Alex Martins, like live up to a promise for once and start the entertainment complex project <laughs> by the end of March, uh, you know, cross. The, I, I want to see some actual building going on across the street from Amway uh, in the next two months. And yeah,
1: help build up Church Street again, because it needs it. So uh, on any of those three, I don't know if you want to hit any of them, Penny. I, I just for Alex Martins, I'll take it a step further, which is to resolve to continue to take your nose out of the basketball operations piece do the business part that's what you're good at that's what you're here for that's how you've made your career and uh let's we're, we're about to embark on the next great uh phase of magic basketball history and we we don't need any additional meddling fair enough uh you got anything else before we get out of here like you know we got a
0: game against Utah in Salt Lake City tomorrow. We got the Denver game in Denver on uh, on Sunday. We get four days off before we host New Orleans. Like we're three games out of the play-in. Like we're we're hanging in there. We're sixteen to twenty-six, but we're hanging in there, and the media is
1: is noticing. You're we, before our next uh, when we record our next podcast. Are we closer to the play-in than we are today, or further away? I think we're closer because. I mean, if I'm looking at the standings, like, we need
0: basically two of the four teams in front of us to slip, right? I mean, Atlanta seems to be imploding. Like, they're ninth seed right now. They're three and three and a half games in front of us. Like, they're on shaky ground right now at the moment at 19 and 22. Like, Chicago, they're the 10th seed. They're three games in front of us. That's who we're chasing at it right now. Plus, we're getting their draft pick, so we want them to, to fall apart. But... They got a, you know, even though the Bulls had a, had a fairly decent run of late, I mean, still they're only 19 and 23, they're five and five in their last 10 games now. So, you know, they had a good little 10 game spurt there where I think they were seven and three and now they've come back because DeRozan's hurting and, you know, they, they may be desperate to try and get some value for Vooch before he hits free agency. So And then you got Toronto and the wizards both are kind of dealing with injuries. I'd say out of, out of those two teams, the wizards are in a better spot. I mean, the wizards are two games in front of us at at Toronto's two and a half games in front of us. Um, the Raptors are really lucky. They have a real easy schedule at the moment, but once that goes by the wayside and they're not playing teams like the Hornets, like they could be backsliding and they could be dumping guys like either Ananobi, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, um, I think we can, I think we'll be in a better spot than three games. What do you think?
1: I, I, I think that we're going to split the pair, uh, to finish out the road trip and three and uh, two West road trip. Let's go. Come on. I think, uh, I, I, am inclined to agree with you. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time, a young burgeoning team that we get to, to watch.
0: All right. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. It helps our podcast ranking a lot. Tweet us any of your questions, feedback, 20, uh, ah, Penny, what's your Twitter handle at
1: Spencer Strode.
0: Oh man. Of course I'd blow that at the end. So, and I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care, let's go magic.